0: Thank you, church, for being a part. Hey, why don't we stand to our feet one more time? If you're new to church, this feels like spiritual musical chairs. I'm just helping you get some rings in your Apple Watch or your Fitbit. We're in a series called Live Green. Everybody say, Live Green. We're not talking about being environmentally friendly, although, amen, thank you, Lord, for the earth. We want to be good stewards. We're not talking about other paraphernalia. We are talking about the discipleship essentials. Jesus said in Matthew 28, tell me if you know it, he said to go and, come on, y'all been tracking with us for the past seven weeks. That makes me happy. Go and make disciples. And so here at Greenhouse, we exist to help ordinary people like you and I become passionate followers or disciples of Jesus. It really begs a question, if that's the case, then what is a disciple and what does it actually mean to make a disciple? Last week we dove into the nitty-gritty. If you've ever wondered or struggled with discipleship, how do I do this and, and what do I do? I'm motivated, but I mean we we made we made handouts, we had resource sheets, I mean it was like every Bible teacher's dream. If you missed it last week, I encourage you to check it out on our YouTube channel or our podcast, uh, but we made it super practical. This week, I want to continue along this vein. Uh, This is the second to last sermon, so next week, Pastor Robbie will be here in person wrapping up this series, but but I really want to dive into the idea from Jesus of discipleship, highlighting the part that I think and I am reasonably sure we all struggle with the most, how many of you would like to have Jesus help you where you struggle? Anybody else interested in that? He is a good shepherd and the best leader, so if you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28. If you do not have a Bible, Sky Bible is up on the screen for your viewing enjoyment. Turn your neighbor and tell him, you look good. You look good. If you're single, I'm trying to help you out. If you're married, I'm trying to help you out. I'm just trying to help everybody out. Matthew 28, anybody got it memorized yet? Bonus points, you got it memorized? Okay, all right, Rochelle, I saw that. So you can't look at the screen and you have to read it with me, okay? Matthew 28, we'll begin in verse 18. This is Jesus. He is speaking specifically to the 11, but the 11 go on to tell the next 11, who tell the next 11, who tell the next 11. And this discipleship cycle continues all the way to the modern day, you and I. And I want us to hear Jesus's words afresh. Say, Lord, give me faith. That was like three of us. Say, Lord, give me faith. There we go. Now you're with me. Then Jesus came and he said this, all authority. Everybody say all authority. All authority. Jesus has the clout. He has the reputation. He has all the authority to make whatever statement he's about to make. Here is what he made. All authority has been given on heaven and earth to me. Therefore, go and make Disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If last week was all about the teaching them to obey facet of making disciples, this week I want to talk baptizing. Join me as we pray. Jesus, help us out. And stir our hearts amen turn your neighbor smile at him as you take your seat online welcome to you joining us there as well i wonder if you have a similar experience to my own anybody here have that friend that spouse who likes to help you tell your stories Anybody got that one? They just like to lend a help. Nobody else but me. They just like to lend a helping hand when you're telling a story. Um, my my wife has that spouse. Uh, I also have that spouse. To be fair, and uh, and we I was reminded of this last week. We had some friends in town visiting, and uh, and and Nancy. I was telling a story, and uh, and Nancy was was assisting me in telling this story. Now I could not be mad because if Nancy's telling the story, guess who jumps in to assist her in the telling of the story? I do, and it sounds like well that 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 that's not exactly what happened what had happened was and anybody like that just drives you nuts like does that drive anybody else crazy you're like why it's just because we love you and we want to make sure that the story gets told appropriately right if you're my wife she's a condenser and so every story needs to be straightforward and to the point any condensers in here you're like thank you amen i i am an expander and so I feel like if you're going to get into to the heart motivation and the emotions, you got to get the nuances of the fact that the couch was red. It was not, and, and it wasn't exactly red. It was actually like a, a mauve of sorts. And so you gotta, you got to get all of the details. So you know what I'm saying? Any expanders in the room, you're like, hey, amen. Yes, Jesus was the word. And look how many words are in the Bible. God is verbose, right? You're like, that's, that's the way. But well, anyways, neither here nor there. Um, But my wife and I like to help one another with stories because at the end of the day, I trust in her storytelling abilities and she maybe hopefully kinda trusts in my expanded narrative style. But at the end of the day, we just wanna make sure we get the story right. Because stories matter. And sometimes, in order to get the story right, it takes a little bit of help. See, I want us thinking about stories because because stories are important. Stories, see, ultimately, they'll, they'll begin with changing the way we see things. And when we change the way we see things, we end up changing the way we feel about the things that we see. And when we change the way we feel about the way we see things, it ultimately changes the way that we live. See, the way we understand the story, it, it changes everything. And people have all sorts of stories when it comes to God. All sorts of narratives, all sorts of ideas about who God is and, and what he's like. Is there a God? If there is, what is he or, or she or, or it like? And is God real? And, and if God is real, how does he feel about humanity? How does he feel about, about you and I? And do, does he think about us? What does he think about us? Does he care? Is he distant and aloof like like the deists believe and he just kind of got it going? He's like, good luck, figure it out, y'all. And he walked away? Is, Is he intimately involved but like a police officer waiting to blow the whistle on you and throw you in jail like an overzealous ticket cop? Is that the God that we, what is God like? People have all sorts of different stories surrounding the nature, existence, and character of God. I don't know if there's a story that's more important. I don't know if there's a narrative that's more important in all of humanity and yet I do not know if there's one surrounded with more confusion, angst, and fear. And for those of us who follow Jesus, and if you're here in the room, if you're watching online and you're not yet a Jesus follower, Pastor Robert mentioned it. You're like VIP honored guest. There's so many things you could be doing. We're thrilled that you're here investigating God, faith, and spirituality and taking your time with us this morning. And, and I'm hoping that you sense something different. That's God and he cares about you. But if you follow Jesus in the room, we have been tasked with the greatest honor and the greatest mission on the planet to help People understand the right story about God and his heart for humanity. Turn to your neighbor and say, wow. Wow. What what an honor, what a responsibility, what a joy, what a privilege, what a terror in some ways. We have been tasked, Scripture says, Paul says, we're ambassadors for Jesus. We have been tasked with the role of helping people understand the right story, the true story about who God is and how he feels about Humanity. You're like, okay, amen, Pastor John. You're already spitting, and I'm so glad I'm not in the splash zone front row right now. What does this have to do with discipleship? I'm glad you asked. Let's jump in. Point number one I got three stopping points along the way. Point number one is this What is discipleship? Everybody say discipleship. Discipleship. We've been talking about it, we've been unpacking it, but I would be remiss not to appropriately unpack a nuance we might have missed. In our contemporary Christianity, in the way that we unpack, at least in North America, the the way of Jesus, we've sort of created two categories in Christendom. We have evangelism and we have discipleship. Boom, there it is. Evangelism and discipleship. Have you all heard these terms? Wave your hand if you've heard these terms before. Okay, most of us, to to, to make sure we're all on the same page here, evangelism could be defined, uh, it literally comes from the Greek word meaning to be a witness or the reward that one would get if they came and witnessed, gave a witness about something good happening. Evangelism is essentially intentionally sharing the good news, the gospel, the message of Jesus, with anyone and everyone who is willing to listen. This is evangelism. Now, discipleship, in our North American Christian context, at least, what discipleship means is evangelism is sharing the good news with people who don't yet believe or know or are convinced about Jesus. Discipleship is taking already existing Christians and helping them get a little bit better. It's sort of Christian improvement. And so we often find ourselves in a spot where you're like, well, let me just ask you, how many of you are like, man, evangelism, that's my thing? Any evangelism? Okay, we got a few of them. How many are like, no, Pastor John, I'm a discipleship person. Like, that's me all day. Okay, and, and we sort of form these camps. We're, we're evangelism people or we're discipleship people. We're evangelism churches or we're discipleship churches. And, and so we've sort of built out this framework. But my question this morning is, is that what Jesus said? As we think on this series of wanting you and I to become passionate and increasingly passionate followers of Jesus. How did Jesus define discipleship? Pretty important if it's like the mission, the deal, the call, the commission, right? How did Jesus define it? Check it out. We just read it this morning. Jesus said, I've got all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and do what? Make disciples Who are you to tell me what to do? I am God. Okay, well, that settles that one. What do you want me to do? I want you to go and make disciples. What do you mean by that? Jesus did not leave a little dot, dot, dot ellipses, either blue or green, no shade on the Android people on your phone. He answered, maybe a little bit of shade, not too much though. He answered the question. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Jesus said, go and make disciples, two core components that he lists explicitly. You're gonna teach people to obey and you're gonna do what? You're gonna baptize them. Just for us all to be clear, who do you baptize? People that are freshly deciding they're gonna make a decision for Jesus. He says, I want you to go and make disciples and here's what it looks like. There are two core elements that you cannot miss. You're gonna baptize and you're gonna teach. You're gonna teach and you're gonna baptize. Here's where I'm trying to get it. Baptism means that discipleship starts before people are convinced about Jesus. Are you tracking with me? Jesus said, go and make disciples. Well, how do I do that? You're gonna baptize and you're gonna teach. Well, who are you gonna baptize? People that were not sure about Jesus when you began doing discipleship and at some point they begin. Amen? Discipleship baptism means that it starts before people are convinced. Teaching means that discipleship continues after they are convinced, and then we help them learn to obey Jesus. He says, You're gonna start start with a human being. If you've got a Homo sapien, they're right for discipleship. And you're gonna walk with them on their journey, share your story, not because you're any better, heaven knows, but because you were a mess and Jesus rescued you. And at some point, if the Holy Spirit's gonna move and they're gonna say, you know what? You're right, Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And then you're gonna baptize them and then you're not just gonna be like, all right, God bless you, my job here is done. Amen, evangelism people? No, Jesus said, and then after you baptize them, what are you gonna do? You're gonna teach them to obey. By the way, this is exactly what they did when Jesus left. This is exactly what the early church did when Jesus went zoop and went back up to be with Heavenly Father. I did that last week and I like it, so that's always gonna be zoop is the sound of the ascension. So if you've ever wondered in theological circles, it sounded like zoop, and then he went, okay, amen. All right, Acts 14. I'm just gonna have fun this morning. Amen, thank you, Linda. When they, Acts 14, when they had preached the gospel to that city, check this, what does it say? And they had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. I need us to look at how the early church, these first followers of Jesus, applied the words, the commission of Jesus, and described what they were doing because it is vitally important. Early church, we we, we talk all the time at Greenhouse, we long to be a book of Acts church in the 21st century. This is kind of the original recipe before all the, all the stuff got in the way and it, it, you're like, before it turned all corporate and they go, amen. Let's look at the book of Acts. Let's see what they did. It said, they said, Luke said, they did two things. They made disciples and they strengthened disciples. They made disciples and they strengthened Disciples. Strengthening disciples, as we look through here and we look throughout the trajectory of scripture, it actually looks like what we call discipleship nowadays in our contemporary version of church. This is Christian improvement. They took disciples that were already there and they helped strengthen them. But when they said making disciples, they actually meant making disciples, when they said making disciples, it actually looks a lot more like we, what we call evangelism. It actually looked like, a lot more like Jesus said, the baptizing component of the commission to make disciples. You're like, Pastor John, I am kind of, sort of pseudo-tracking with you. What are you trying to say? Let me talk to you about cupcakes. Any fans of that? You're like, amen, now I sense the spirit. This is mm, this is getting good. Thank you, Lord. Our daughter Lucy loves, loves, loves. She just loves, she's very sweet. She loves her mom, mama. She loves her dad, dad. dad. She loves her nana, nana. She loves her brother, bruh, bruh. But there is a love in her heart greater than any other love. And it's not for God yet, it is for cake. This girl loves herself some cake. Anybody like, amen, your daughter, she's in good company with me. She loves cake. I mean, this past week, we celebrated our son's five-year birthday. He turned five. It was amazing. And so all the kids got these cupcakes. Now, I don't know who invented cupcakes, but the proportions are bizarre, like, have we ever thought about, like, there, there is like a silly little bit of cake and then like a mountain of icing on these cupcakes. Maybe it's just how Publix does it, but it's crazy. It's like, if you look at the proportions, you're like, that is called an icing cake. Like, that's not, the, the, the cake is barely in there. So, but Lucy's two. So we're like, you know what? We're, 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 we're kid wrangling. And, and so we're like, we'll just give her a cupcake and let, and let her go to town, you know? And so we were smart enough to get her nice clothes off before we did that. And so Lucy gets a cupcake <laughs> and we put it in her lap on the plate <laughs> and she's looking down And guess what happens? The top-heavy cupcake falls, thank the Lord above, onto her lap. And so now she's kind of looking down. Now, an ordinary kid would lose it and cry, but not Lucy because she loves cake. So she looks down at her lap covered in blue icing, and she does the only thing she could think to do. She grabs the icing and begins to bathe herself (laughs) in the glories that is the cupcake icing, and she's having a blast, and she is covered in icing. I'm like, man, just, I I don't know. I'm, I'm sure this is a parenting win in someone's book. We'll just use that book for today, and she had a blast eating this cupcake, but I started thinking about cupcakes. Jesus said, go and make disciples. The early church, they went, and they made disciples. They baptized them and they taught them. I was at a conference and they were talking about it in one large denomination. They were like, you know, pre-pandemic 2019, 20 plus percent of, of churches in this massive movement did not report a single new person coming to Jesus. And, and I couldn't help but think, A, that's a bummer. B, what did those churches do? Because 50% of their mission didn't happen for an entire year. And the answer is they did everything they were doing before. Nothing really changed, no one really seemed alarmed. And, 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 and when I think about this, my heart is stirred because Jesus gave two mandates when it comes to making disciples. He said, I want you to teach them to obey. I think we do decent at that one. And I want you to b- baptize. And when I'm thinking about cupcakes, I can't help but think that we have created a church that was supposed to be like a cake where we make a cake and we ice the cake, where we make a cake and we ice the cake. Go and make some disciples right, boom, you got it, and then you're gonna teach them to obey, you're gonna frost it, and you're gonna make some disciples, boom, you got it, and then you're gonna teach them to obey, you're gonna frost it, you're gonna make some disciples, right, and so what we have done, it seems, in our context, is instead of making, baking, and icing, we have settled for a few cakes with three feet of icing on each one, and we look much more like a cupcake than we do a bakery, and we wonder why we're so top-heavy and we're falling all over the place, and we're landing in messes all over because Jesus said you're supposed to do two things, baptize and teach, baptize and teach, baptize and teach. According to Jesus, followers of Jesus, I need you to track with me, and if you're not yet a Jesus person, you're like, I don't quite get it, it's okay. I'm talking to the family right now. Followers of Jesus, if you're tracking with me here, disciples don't just happen. Disciples are not simply found. Like we're not like going through our day and we're like, just, whoa, look at this. And a disciple of Jesus. This is amazing. Like, disciples aren't found. You make them. Just like if you're walking, like, like spirituality is not publics. You don't stumble in the ready-made cakes and you just walk out and you're like, sweet, Jesus said, no, that's not how it works. Well, go make disciples. Okay, how do I do that? You m- make them. You don't find them. Here's what I'm trying to say. If, and I think we mean it, if we are about discipleship, if we are about making disciples, being disciples, we must use, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. We must use Jesus's terminology to do what Jesus is talking about, which means what? Which means this. I'm saying if you want to use Jesus's definition of discipleship, you're not really making disciples if you're never making new disciples. It's what He said. Go make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them, which begs the question, are we doing this? Are you doing this? Am I doing this? You're like, Pastor John, where do I even start? When does this start? Where do we begin? I'm glad you asked that question, because number one, what is discipleship leads us to number two. When does it start? Turn to your neighbor and say, When? When, when does this thing begin? Any foodies in the room, any, any food people, any Yelpers out there love finding a good restaurant? All right, you, gotta, you gotta give us some recommendations. Nancy and I do date night every Thursday night, but my wife is the Yelp queen. Like she has is, she is got a reputation. She finds good places. She, those of you that raise your hand, you're in good company with my wife. Food is fu- fuel for me, but my wife is like, she's great at that. And so I started thinking about, how we do things when it comes to new restaurants. How many of you have discovered a new restaurant within the last month? Supporting local business? Okay, very cool. Did you tell anybody about that restaurant? Did you tell anyone? When you were in a conversation, did you post about it? Did you leave a review? Did you say anything about it? Okay, let me ask you a question. Lots of heads nodding. You're like, of course. Let me ask you a question. Did you feel the obligation to go to the restaurant and try every item on the menu before you shared that good news with somebody? Did you not feel the obligation to become an expert in that restaurant, learn the backstory, know every single manager and all the employees before you shared and tasted and saw about the goodness of this restaurant to your friends and neighbors and coworkers that you cared about? No, you you didn't because that's not what we do because when we as humans experience something amazing, the most natural and loving thing we do is tell other people we care about so they can experience the same thing, why? Because we're disciple makers by nature. We're evangelists by nature, except when it comes to spiritual things, because we make it weird. We make it weird. We make it weird. It's supposed to be the same thing with faith. When it comes to discipleship, baptizing, and teaching, according to Jesus' definitions, discipleship is baptizing and teaching. Here's what I want you to know. When does discipleship begin, Pastor John? Because, man, I'm not perfect yet. Amen, join the club, welcome to Greenhouse. Uh, Pastor John, when does discipleship begin? Because man, I I, I don't know that much. I'm not quite sure. And I'm not, let, let me just, let me solve your conundrum right now. Here's when discipleship begins. As soon as it becomes good news to you, you share it. As soon as it becomes good news to you, you share it. Just like going to a restaurant for the first time and you only tried one dish on the menu, but it was fire. That means it was good. As soon as it becomes good news to you, you do what with it? You share it, thank you, you share it. By the way, this is the trajectory of God's heart in scripture. Romans 10, Paul says, for everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they, I love the logic here, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Like, that makes sense, that's, that's pretty solid logic. And how can they believe in him If they've never heard about him, okay, I'm tracking with you, Paul. He says, and how can they hear about him unless someone, what does it say? Tells them. Unless someone tells them. Mark 16, Jesus commissioned his disciples. This is another variant of this great commission text we've been camped on in Matthew 28. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news. Preach the gospel to everyone. First Peter says it like this, but in your hearts, revere Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. He says, but do this with gentleness and respect. And as I began thinking about this overwhelming gap, and it's not just you and it's not just me and it's not just Greenhouse, in the capital C church when it comes to the baptizing component of making disciples. I I got so impassioned because I'm like, man, so many people that we love and care about have the story all wrong. I was talking with a friend that I love. I mean, we're close. And at some point he was involved in Jesus church type stuff and you know how church people are. You are one. Right? Just kind of had bad experiences and people were people and and they just kind of got burned with church stuff and religious stuff. And at this point they're kind of like, you know, I'm I'm not a I'm not an atheist. I'm probably agnostic. I think there's something out there because I had some legit experiences, but but I'm not and so as they began to dialogue about their qualms and issues with God, I had this heartbreaking realization. They're describing someone else because they're not talking about God. They start talking about, man, how, and how could we love a God that's da-da-da-da? And how could God do da-da-da-da? And what would someone do? And, and they were going on, and I'm like, amen. And at the end, I just wanted to jump out of my skin and say, man, if God was anything like you're describing, I would join you, but he's not. He's not. And my heart started breaking because I'm like, Lord, I don't want to preach some like, come on, greenhouse, we suck. Or sorry, Janet, we stink. You know, like, we need to be, well, don't you care about God? Because I'm like, it's, it's not some guilt trip. Friend, do you realize there are people in your real life that you really love, that you really care about, that are looking in all of the wrong places for things that they'll only find in God, and they're on a maze that will never end full of pain and destruction because somebody lied to them and told them that God is And he's not, and he's not. And Jesus said, That at the zenith of our productivity as human beings, the epitome of our contribution to humanity is to help people get the story right. Because if they get the story right, their life will change. And if they get the story right, their hope will change. And if they get the story right, their depression might change. And if they get the story right, their body might be healed. And if they get the story right, their vision might be restored. But they'll get the story wrong every single time. And how could they not if they never hear? And how will they hear? No one ever tells them. And at the end of the day, the call to make disciples is about real relationships with real people in your real life where we get to step in and clarify the conundrum. Man, I hear you. That person you're describing sounds horrible. I want nothing to do with them either. And I got great news for you, that's not what God is like. Let me tell you my story. See, because that's where it starts. It starts with, let me tell you my story. People we know overwhelmingly, because they're polled. There's scientific data about this. People, when polled, say they would love to have conversations, if they're not Jesus people, if they're not faith people, they say they would love to have conversations about God and, and faith and Jesus and spirituality, but they give caveats. They say, if it's with someone that I trust, That's just willing to listen without judgment. Church, let me connect the dots. That should be us. Because that's our call. Consistency leads to trust. And trust leads to an opportunity to share the good news. And discipleship, check this. And discipleship begins as soon as you care enough to share. When does discipleship begin? As soon as you care enough to share, as soon as you care enough to connect the dots appropriately, as soon as you care enough to, to, to jump in there with loving, I love it, with gentleness and respect, Peter says, to help people see, man, I, I totally feel you, man, if God was like that, whoo, I'd be jumping, you'd be evangelizing me right now, I'd be going your way, but I got great news, God's not like that. He says. so what do we do? Making disciples, teaching and baptizing, baptizing and teaching is about being intentional to tell the story and try to help people take steps closer to God. And let me make it super practical. You're like, where do I even begin? Here's where you begin. Today you can do this. You think about what God has done in your life. This is where, by the way, it has to be more than just some religious duty. You're like, I must, t- I have an obligation to tell you about the goodness and the mercy of the sovereign God, who is sovereign over all in the cosmos, and He is in the heavenly places. They're like, why did you start singing? I don't know. And like, this is not some like presentation where you're trying to sell someone on something, some product you don't even use. But if you've experienced Jesus, if you know Jesus, if you've experienced His grace and His goodness, you think about ways that God has moved in your life this week, this month, today. And then you tell that story to others. My wife and I were in the Keys, I mentioned, when we got back for our 10 year anniversary. And, and while we were there, we, you know, it's, it's, I never had ambitions to be a pastor, this wasn't like my gig, I was a teacher, I'd done some business stuff and charity stuff and I was perfectly fine doing that and then Jesus said, you're gonna your pastor, I'm like, who, <laughs> oh, me, okay, yes sir, that's what I'm gonna do and it's been great. Love you guys. It's been amazing. was not my ambition, though. And so when I get to go away from the occupation of Jesus stuff, I relish it in a very special way because now I get to do Jesus stuff just because I love him. It's not my job anymore. I'm like, whoo, come on. So we're on vacation, and we're trying to find some cool, like, uh, excursions to do. And, and we end up, Nancy's talking, we find this one lady, and we're talking about excursions. And, and as I'm there talking with her, I get this, like, do doo doo doo-doo-doo. My heart starts beating a little faster. You ever been there before? Jesus people, and you, I'm like, dude, you're like, oh man, God wants to do something in this person's life. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh yeah. And I'm like, I'm on this adventure with Jesus. I'm like, this is going to be great. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, Lord, what do you want me to say? Crickets, nothing. I'm like, Okay, Nancy's like chatting it up and she's getting ready to book this thing. I'm like, Lord, you got to give me something. Like I'm, you know. And I probably could have been full of faith and just stepped out and said, I'm going to be like Peter, just step out on the water. I don't know what I'll say, but he'll put the words in my mouth. But I didn't. In fact, I said nothing. Nancy booked the excursion. We were set for parasailing. That was great. We start walking away and minute or two go by, I'm like, man, babe, I blew it. I blew it. She's like, well, what are you talking about? I was like, God totally, he wanted to do something with that lady. She's like, oh, man, I felt that too. I wasn't sure. I was like, great. where to make me feel better, babe. Awesome. Now, you know, amen, my partner in crime, you know. And so I'm like, I just didn't know what God wanted to say. And so I was there, and I was open. I was willing, but I just didn't. And, And so I made my little Tim Tebow speech to God. I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry. By the way, disciples don't get it perfect. They just repent quick. So I was like, God, yeah, that, that one, that one, that one to change your life. And so I was like, Lord, Nancy's this. I'm like, Lord, I, do, ah, I'm such a wuss. God, if you give me another shot, I, pro, I, mean, literally, I was like, I promise, I won't let you down. Like Captain America on Jesus, I'm like, I won't let you down, Lord. He just laughs. Okay, so. That, and so that whole night, man, I just kept thinking about Tracy. That was her name. I just kept thinking about Tracy, and and I got woken up in the middle of the night, and and, and an aspect of the conversation that she had talked about like was highlighted in my mind i'm remembering it verbatim as i get woken up and i'm like okay that's what i'm supposed to go off of it was at least a general sense i'm like thank you lord you're so merciful i shouldn't need this but i do lord i believe help my unbelief i'm like all right i'm like i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it go back to bed because i got like the spiritual gift of selective narcolepsy i just like i'm out again and the next morning i forgot (sighs) we went on with our day, we did all this stuff, we, did, we had so much fun, Nancy and I had a blast, we're like, man, having no kid, we haven't been kids free in like two and a half years. I'm like, it feels so wrong, but it feels so right. Whew, this is great. What do you wanna do? What do I wanna do? I don't know, let's just do whatever, you know? I kid you not, we are on the way back to our hotel to get changed to go on our excursion, and in the middle of a random street, guess who we see? Tracy. And my heart starts going, and I'm like, all right, man, I will look like an idiot this time, but I'm going to say something. And so Nancy's like, hey, Tracy, how you doing? Nancy's so good with people. She's like, what's up? I'm sitting there, I'm probably sweating. She's like, oh my gosh, is he having a stroke? Like, what's happening here? And finally, I'm like, hey, um." I'm like, man, you know, Tracy, I'm not sure. This might be super weird, but we're just going to go for it. Um, I follow Jesus. And he's changed my life. And, and I feel like God put something on my heart for you because he cares about you. And I'm not sure if you believe in God or where you're at with God. She's like, Oh, I believe in God. I'm like, Okay, good. This is going to be a little less weird then. Um, and I just shared what God put on my heart. I'm like, You know, and it was stuff about her kids and, and God seeing her and parenting and whatever. You know what happened? She cussed me. No, I'm just funny. She didn't cuss me out. <laughs> she starts getting emotional. Like, oh my gosh. And I keep kind of sharing. And at this point, I'm like, I don't even know what I'm really saying. It's, you know, the words are just kind of coming. And I'm, I'm saying stuff. And she's like, you have no idea what you're saying right now. I'm like, I really don't. I really don't. And, she, and she's like, man, I'm going to cry right now. And, and, and nobody levitated. Nothing crazier happened than that. But it was very clearly this God moment. And what she was saying was true. You have no idea what you're saying. I'm like, guilty. <laughs> but God did. Friends, that's our call. It doesn't get any more complicated than that. Scripture says that, that God searches to and fro. The eyes of the Lord search to and fro, seeking those through whom he can show himself strong. That's a Bible verse. God is just waiting for somebody, a little John Lash with his imperfect, wimpy obedience to say, God, I'm available. And then I blow it up. I'm, like, I'm sorry, but I won't let you down again. He's like, it's good. I just, I love the adventure, son. Let's do it. And our call is to make disciples, baptize, and teach By the way, one of the most tangible ways you could do this is as disciples of Jesus, we've got to get really good at remembering who we used to be. This is what the Bible calls your testimony. So when someone's like, man, Alejandro, you are just such a great, nice person. You're like, fool, you should have met me before. What do you mean? Boom, shaka? What we're supposed to do is with our very lives, tell people, man, I know you might think X, Y, and Z about God, but you seem to like me, so let me tell you why you do. God, it's our call. Go make disciples, baptize and teach. Disciple, when's the last time you shared your testimony with someone? When's the last time you shared your story with someone? Man, I just gotta let you know what God did in my life this week. You know what someone's gonna say? Cool, tell me. 90% 90% of the time, 95% of the time, that's what they'll say. Why? Because they're intrigued. And because hopefully they like you a little bit. So like, sure, tell me. You're not some weird preacher person. You're my coworker. You're my friend. When does discipleship? When does baptizing and teaching begin? As soon as it becomes good news to you, you share. The big story, the incredible story, and the daily miracles as well. And I'm praying we'd have a goal in our hearts. Like, Lord, change my mind. Give me love. Give me boldness. Give me courage. Lord, this year, we got five five months left in 2021. Lord, this year, I want to make a disciple. Baptize and teach. I want to go all the way. I want to use the whole recipe, not just 50% of the recipe, and wonder why the cake tastes weird. I want to do the whole recipe. Baptize and teach. Baptize and teach. Lord, give me a shot because I love you. I love people. I want them to know how good you are. Man, I got no more time. I only preached half my sermon. Worship team can come up. I'll try to figure out how to truncate this in the next five minutes. Point number one, what's discipleship? Point number two, when does it happen? And finally, point number three, how does it happen? I'm just gonna go for it right here. We've been talking a lot in this series about discipleship and being a disciple of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus and and how all this works. and, And I just need to let you know If you're listening in the room, if you're watching online, Frank, God has such incredible plans for your life. Every bit of the longing and desire of your heart that you have been convinced by friends, by family members, by well-intentioned individuals, by the media and that TikTok influencer that you love, every bit of your life that has told you all the good things come here, they don't come here, they come from God. He is the CEO that's gonna run the best strategy plan for your life that you could ever imagine. He's the father that you've been looking for. He's the love that you've been longing for. And everything in him is available to you if you surrender. We've talked a lot about good news and helping people understand the story. And, but the moral of the story is, it must become good news to you before it will become good news through you. It's gotta start on the inside. It's gotta start here in your heart. It's gotta be something that begins. Like I said, we've all probably experienced religious people doing their religious duty and it was very clear, it was not alive in their heart. It was just an obligation in their head. And it's off-putting and honestly nauseating sometimes. And as we wrap up this Live Green series, I wanna give every single person under the sound of my voice here in the room, watching online later on demand in 2027, a chance to respond. Leonard Ravenhill said the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. If you are still breathing oxygen this morning, we've all been in touch with the fragility of life in this season. And it's been heartbreaking and it has been a terrible, terrorful is not a word, a terrorizing and fearful reminder of how fragile life can be. By the way, God's been saying this for a long time. He says, tomorrow is not guaranteed. Choose you this day who you will serve. If you're here this morning, here's my question I wanna ask you. When you believed, were you baptized? This is the MO of the early church. In the book of Acts, they preached a very simple message. Here was the message, repent, change your mind, realize you can't do life on your own. You need God's mercy, you need God's grace, you need Jesus to come and change you on the inside. Repent. And they had an immediate follow-up and be baptized. Baptism, we've talked about it here at Greenhouse before. Baptism is is the outward symbol of an inward transformation. It's like saying to a watching world, Jesus, I belong to Jesus and he belongs to me. I'm my beloved and he is mine. Jesus and I, he's the Lord, he's the leader, he's the CEO, I'm going with him. And as I prep this week, I'm like, man, I I gotta give a moment. I've dedicated the entire end of this sermon to just giving you a shot to respond. In my heart, I had a sense that there's some people in this room, maybe watching online, and you've been struggling with sin. You've been struggling with addiction. You've been struggling with habits. And you're like, Pastor John, I feel so bad about what I'm doing, but I can't stop. You're right. You can't stop. Which is why Jesus said, you have to become a new you. And baptism, you could throw up the discipleship pathway up there. I'm all over the notes, so thanks for tracking with me. But we went through this last week, and it gave these different spots. If you are in the believer spot where you're like, I, I Pastor John, I do. I believe Jesus. I believe he's the way. I believe he's the truth. I believe he's the life. And you're like, I want to move to a disciple. Baptism is the next step of faith-fueled obedience to go from where you are to where God's calling you to be. It's tangible. And it's more than just some symbol. It's more than just some, okay, I'm going to go and and do the dunk tank, the spiritual dunk tank at church. It, 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 It does something supernatural. Why? Because anything done in faith is more powerful than you can ever imagine. It's not some work. It's a faith thing. It's all about obedience. When you believed, did you get baptized? Maybe you're like, man, I should, even now you, you sense your heart. You're doing the thing that I talked about. You're like, oh my gosh. And, and you're like, well, when I was four years old and, and I got sprinkled and, and, and this happened. And, but, but, but when I was 16, I felt it. Listen, if you sense God stirring your heart, just obey we make it so complicated we intellectualize everything if this frees you up in the early church in the Jewish tradition which is where baptism came from it's not a Christian thing it was a Jewish thing for thousands of years before they would get baptized multiple times why? because baptism is about authority baptism is about a change of roles baptism is about dying to your old stuff and rising up in a new way Paul says it like this in Romans 6 he says don't you know that all of us were baptized in Christ Jesus We're baptized into his death like I'm not very motivated by that right now Pastor John We were therefore buried with him through baptism and death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. What's the deal with baptism? It's it's about being dead to sin. Dead to the old things that used to drag us down and weigh us down and and keep us stuck and trapped and in this horrible place and saying, Jesus, that's it. You're the the CEO. You're the leader. You're the Lord. I, I, I want to be something I cannot be on my own. I've proved it because I've tried. Jesus, you're the Lord. You're like, I believe that, Pastor John. Have you been baptized? If not, that is your next step. We've got a baptism tank and a change of clothes ready. We'll do it outside in the open air, and we'll do it today. If you're like, well, COVID and germs, listen, I don't think they're getting transmitted in that water, but if you feel more comfortable, there's swimming pools all over South Florida. You can talk to a church leader. We will baptize you in a swimming pool with chlorine today. You're like, Pastor John, I swimming pools. There's a big body of water. It's called the ocean. It's got all the space for social distancing. You can imagine. If you want to get baptized, we will go to the ocean and baptize you today. Are all the excuses gone? Do I need to give more? Oh, I want to go to the moon. We'll, we'll talk to Elon Musk and we'll get up there and we'll figure out like, do not delay obedience any longer, friend. If Jesus calls you to baptism, which by the way, he does every single human being. Don't delay the opportunity of a lifetime season in the lifetime of the opportunity. Tomorrow is not promised. All you have is right now. Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. We're going to close in a final chorus. If you've been considering Jesus, if you've been investigating Jesus, maybe you're in a spot where you're convinced about Jesus and you are ready to go all in, baptism is your next step. And I I want you to hear it like they said it all throughout the early church, all throughout Acts, repent and be baptized, repent and be baptized. Repentance is to change your mind, metanoia, to say my current MO is not working. Jesus, you're the CEO, You're, you're calling the shots, you're running the show, I'm gonna go your way. Baptism is that outward symbol of what you've already decided on the inside. Jesus is Lord. I'm dead to being the CEO of my life and I'm being resurrected with Jesus as the Lord. Be baptized into his name, baptized into his authority, baptized into his family, baptized into his covering, his death, his resurrection, baptized into his grace, new life, new nature, fresh start, new hope, friend. What hope we have available in Jesus if we'll just say yes and today is the day. The life, the hope, the peace, the joy you've been longing for is waiting on the other side of surrender. Don't wait any longer. Make Jesus Lord and do it today. If you're and you say, Pastor John, I'm okay. I feel the, do, 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 I feel it. Uh. I've been coming to Greenhouse for three years. What are people gonna think? Who cares? They're gonna be excited. This is about you and God. If you know this morning, that this is your moment to make Jesus Lord, to go from believer to disciple, to say, Jesus, I'm all in. I just want you to raise your hand up in the air and say, God, you got me. Right now, in the room, watching it online, say, God, you got me. You got me. Awesome. Awesome. God, you got me. If you're watching online, we will figure out a way to help you get baptized. You can comment right there in the chat. You can, you can request prayer right there. We will get connected with you. We'll figure it out this week. We'll socially distance it up. We'll do all these things. Do not delay obedience. If you're in the room before we close, you can run up to these altars. You got some prayer people up here. They'll be masked up and socially distanced. We'll pray with you. We'll get you a change of clothes. We would love to talk you through any questions you have. And if you're here and you're already a Jesus follower, you have repented, you have been baptized, guess what? Repentance isn't a one-time deal. If you're like, man, I need to repent of of falling into my own definition of discipleship, of abdicating my responsibility to do the whole deal, baptize and teach, and and I want to go with Jesus, I want you to raise your hand right now. You're like, Jesus, I want to make disciples as you've defined them, baptize and teach, baptize and teach. Lord, do it. Give us your heart for this world you love give us your eyes to see people the way that you see them and give us courage God let's stand to our feet if I could get our prayer partners up here in the front if you raised your hand And you want to go all in with Jesus. If you want to be baptized, Pastor Robert's down here. You can come find him. Pastor Robert, can you wave your hand real quick? There he is. You can talk to Pastor Robert. We'll get the logistics nailed down. If you need prayer for anything, as soon as we sing this final chorus, you are welcome to come forward. Anything God's doing in your heart, we want to agree with you in prayer. We'll answer any questions and walk with you through next steps in your faith. But let's close out as we sing this final chorus together. And when we do, if you want to come for prayer, you're welcome to come forward. I you. pray a blessing over your people. God, thank you for the amazing, I just love this church. I love these hearts that are so open to you, that, that really wanna make a difference in this world, that really wanna love you more, that really wanna love one another more. Lord, we wanna grow, we wanna get better. We wanna become passionate followers of Jesus. Lord, I pray your blessing over this church family. Lord, that you would bless them and keep them. Make your face shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lift up your countenance upon them and give them your shalom, shalom perfect peace in Jesus name. If you need prayer, if you want more info on baptism, if you want to set it up, we will stick around and do it today. We'll set it up for whenever you want. Love you church. God bless you. See you in the summer discipleship classes and in micro churches kicking off soon. Love you church. See you next week.